Guys, would you grab a Bible, and if you would, make your way to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3. This morning, we are doing a special message. It's New Year's Eve, and so it just seems worthy that we take a moment to pause and kind of grab the reality of what that is as we move into a new year. And so we pause. We'll be back in 2 Corinthians next week. But this morning, uh, we're going to be in two places that I'm going to ask you to turn to, but you can start by opening it up to Philippians chapter 3. If you, have a, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in front of you. You can grab one of those and get the page number off the screen. If you want to use an electronic device, that works as well. Our simple invitation is to be in the Word of God with us, that God would speak to you through His Word, that he, you would find this to be a space of hearing His voice. We long for that here in this room. If you're joining us in the overflow or online, we long for it the same, that you'd open up a copy of the Scriptures, that you would be with us in it, and that God would take His Word and make it just connect into your life, each of us here this morning. So let's just ask him for it. Let's just take a moment, ask him to meet us, ask him in this moment to help us to hear what he has for us and him to work. Would you join me in prayer as we ask him for that now? Father, thank you. Thank you for being a God who is that perfect, ancient of days, firm, secure. Thank you for being a God who's involved who knows us, knows everything about us, knows every thought that we think, and who is speaking. We think about your word that you tell us it's not just words on a page, it's alive. Your word is alive and active and powerful. You speak through it. I know that and even long for it here this morning. And ask that you would help us to hear it. Would you give us ears to hear and by your spirit, would you speak to us? And, and Lord, I would pray that would happen with a realm of understanding of what we talk about this morning. But when that fades or if it isn't even totally grabbed, I pray so much more that you would speak to your people individually. You would take your truth and perfectly sink it into their lives, show them what you're speaking to them today, give us ears to hear you and work good through your word in our lives. God, in your faithfulness and your ability, would you do that in such a genuine way today? Help us to see, hear what you're saying to us. We ask for that right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I titled this morning's message, Every 24 in 2024. I admit it's kind of a silly title. I can be that way a little bit. So if you like that, great. If you don't like it, get past it. Uh, but in one sense, it's just an invitation as we think about beginning 2024 to living every day, every 24 hours, 24 hours at a time, just one day at a time into a space that God would have for us. And my encouragement to you this morning is to discover that that's exactly where God wants to draw you. Now, I think about that, and there's a quote that has been very powerful in my life over the years, and I've shared it a number of times here. I'll share it again this morning and kind of walk some of the thoughts around it. It's a quote from Jim Elliott, a missionary who you know, gave his life there to the Aka Indians, and he simply said it this way, wherever you are, be all there. It's a powerful reality, and, and I just want to tell you, it's an invitation into life lived the way that God would have us to live it, a, a space of, of being fully present in the moment, in the things that God has for us, and absolutely, I want to tell you, it's what God's longing for you this morning. He's seeking to draw you into it. 
might be helpful or maybe not. I just want to be honest with you. I've shared this a number of times in messages in different spaces. It's one of those quotes that has done good in my life. I can honestly say there's things that have changed and some things that have improved because of it, but I also want to just be as honest as I can and say, I need this so much more. I mean, I recognize as we move into a new year that I'm longing to live the way that God would have us to live, that this is offering to us, and I'm not there. I'm not fully walking in that, and so if it works good into you this morning, I hope he does it, but if it doesn't, I hope it works in me. I hope he would draw me because I long for what I know his word is talking about, the life that God has for us, a life that would be this life of where we are, being fully present in it, walking in what he would have for us. So how do we do that? I mean, what would that even look like if you were able to move towards the life that I believe that God is offering to us? Well, I want to hold out four keys. Four keys that I just find out throughout the Word, and there's probably much more we could add to it. Maybe others will come to your mind. Good. That's probably the Holy Spirit. Let Him do it. But these I want to bring before you in a way that I believe if these four things would help get you there, you get closer to the genuine life that God has for you. The first one is the ability to forget the past. The ability to forget those things which are behind. Yeah, that's exactly what Paul speaks about here in Philippians chapter 3. Let's go and read the section that surrounds it. You got your Bibles open there, I hope, to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12, right in the middle of Paul's testimony, by the way. Up to this point in this chapter, he's talked about all that Christ has done in him and how he saved him and how he brought him to new life that's in Christ and the life that's good. Now he says this, Not that I've already attained, or I'm already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's a great set number of verses highlighting so many truths, but right now I want to highlight that one that's there in verse 13, where he says, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. So it's New Year's Eve. I mean, this is one of those things. In fact, it could be that in one sense, this verse, because it's New Year's Eve, might almost sound flippant. Like, well, of course, it's New Year's Eve. That's what you're going to say. Is that, you know, that's what you would say. And you're going to kind of draw, you know, almost as if there's more meaning there than there is. But I want to tell you, God makes it so powerful. He does it in such a way that even in underscoring it, Paul puts that phrase before it that says, hey, one thing I'm doing. I mean, like, this is singularly important. This is, this is so important. Says, there, there's one thing I want to make sure you understand that I'm doing, Paul says. He says, I am forgetting those things which are behind. I, I'm taking the space of, of what has been behind me, and I'm no longer allowing those things to hold me. I'm able to forget that. As we process this this morning, I want to speak lovingly, but as clear as God would give me the ability to speak it, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you don't have this, and you can't enjoy this. 
You don't have this and you can't enjoy this. Maybe you're coming into it and it's the end of 2023 and in just a few hours we're going to cross into 2024 and you're going to be like, it's a new beginning. Well, I want to say this lovingly. No, it's not really. Not really. It's just a change in the calendar. Life is still fully there and the Bible's clear. Your past is catching up to you. Your sin is determining your world and life and it's crushing you. It's crushing your soul now and for all eternity, and no change in the calendar is changing that. There's nothing that just because of that, that somehow the weight of your failure and the weight of your past can be forgotten. Any attempt to embrace that, it's just folly. It's not actually true. So here's our invitation at the outset. We're pleading with you who don't know Jesus to see something this morning that you need that a calendar can't give you that you need, that can't be found just in some philosophical change. What you need, Christ is giving. Flipping that around, if you're a follower of Jesus, you actually have this, and you can enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, that's your own weakness, but you have this. If you're a follower of Jesus, he has made it possible for us to have this. He has worked this in this, for he's given us forgiveness of our sin. He's given us that space where we're able to let go of all that which has gone before. So many verses we could give. I'll just give a couple. Think about it there in Isaiah where God would just said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Because this is what I'm doing, which was ultimately fulfilled in Christ, that what Christ has accomplished, he said, this is what I'm doing. I'm making it so that your sins can be gone, forgotten, not remembered anymore. As far as the east is from the west, God would say, they're gone. So that now for us who are in Christ, we're able to step forward. And as he tells it to us in the book of Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is yours if you're a follower of Jesus and you can enjoy this. You might not be enjoying it, but it is still yet yours. God has done something in Christ that he has paid the price for all of your sin by one sacrifice forever. He has taken it all out of the way so that your failures, and you have them, your sin, it's washed, it's gone. It no longer is that, 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 that is there. It really is forgiven so that it is actually yours and you can enjoy that. You can enter into this space of saying, I, I recognize that so that your past doesn't have to really determine your future, that you're not held down by your failures. Now, don't misunderstand me. Sin has consequences and God doesn't always remove those. For good in our own life and space, that's just part of the deal, but neither is it the weight of, our, of, of sin pressing into our souls, where God would treat you on the basis of your sin, that God would treat you in that way, that it would just no longer be there. So in Christ, we have what the world wants, even if they don't realize they want it. The reason things like New Year's and New Year's traditions begins and the, the way it works is because there's this longing for people for a fresh start, for a new beginning, for a way to live life that way, and that is exactly what we have in Christ. We have what the world longs for. 
We have what the world longs for, but it is ours to enjoy, and I want to invite you to enjoy it because some of that really is that space where we embrace that, where we would recognize my past is forgiven. Uh, The weight of my mistakes and failures, they're, they're gone, that they're no longer determining my future or who I am. Yeah, there's things I can never gain back. Yeah, I can't undo all of that, but it's no longer who I am. That would be amazing if some of you believed this. Here's the deal. For some of you here this morning, even followers of Jesus, your past, it haunts you. You, you, you think about it a lot, and you spend way too much time thinking things like, oh, if only I could change this. If I could go back, and if I could undo, and if I could, and, and, and you waste countless hours of your week, sometimes even day, just feeling the weight of that, and yet God is telling us, hey, that's not where I want you to live anymore. One thing I do, Paul says, is I forget that. I do not let that consume my day. I don't let the the, the weight of that, not that I can't learn from some of those things in the present, but I'm not going to live in the past. It's no longer who I am. Now, our failure is the biggest part that we need to forget, but it would be remiss if I didn't say, sometimes it's still forgetting our successes. It's it's this place of recognizing that good things that God did before, that's no longer where we are. We're no longer living in those spaces. Solomon would say it this way, do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this, said in a nice way. It's a dumb way to live your life. It's a dumb way to live your life thinking, boy, yesterday was better than today. Um, That could be literally within the scheme of history that maybe you think, man, I wish I lived back in the 40s or the 50s or 100 years ago. It could be in the scheme of your life. Oh, I I miss those days. I miss the days of raising kids. I miss the days of when that was there. I miss those days. Those were better days than this day. He says, that's a dumb way to live your life. That's not the way you are. I mean, there is a space of saying, God, that's, that's, I, I forget those things. You know, whatever that is, I can glean from them, I can remember them. Some of the good things that God did in those spaces, they can carry weight into this moment. I just can't live them. It's a dumb way to live my life. It would rob me from the life that God has for me today. Living my life focused on the past would rob me from where God is working, and so God is fully inviting you to this. I mean, so much more we could say. He says it all the way through His Word that He is inviting you into a space where you can enter into today and say, I'm no longer living in the past. I forget that. I'm I'm forgiven. I have that. That's what we have in Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm inviting you to embrace that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm pleading with you to find this because it's only found in Christ. So forgetting the past, that's important. But that easily carries us to the other side of today, and that's tomorrow. So key number two is not living in that space of tomorrow. Well, I'm going to leave you here in Philippians. We're going to hop to a few other verses. I'm just going to put them on the screen for this. Don't leave Philippians because we're going to come back to it just in a moment. But as we head there, I just, again, want to be honest and as helpful, maybe transparent if it's helpful. I struggle with all of this. I mean, I can get consumed in my past. I struggle more with this. When I think about living in the present moment, this is probably the area that I need more help on from Christ that I can have a propensity of not living in this moment. Instead, I can let tomorrow consume too much of today. And he invites us away from that. 
James would, would call us to it in, in the epistle of James, calling us away from living for future plans, living in future seasons, and he does so profoundly. Let me just show it to you, give you a few thoughts from it, though there's more there if you want to dive into it. In James chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. He says, okay, come. If this is you and you're, you have a plan, like you're heading into 2014 and you got an idea. I know here's how it's going to play out. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my agenda. Here's my plan. Here's how it's going to work. And, and this is going to be, you know, how this whole thing plays out. And he wants to reason with us that there's a folly that's present in such plans that can be in there. How so? Well, he goes on to say, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? For it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. He says, don't you even know? Don't you know how uncertain life is? Don't you know that none of us know? I mean, can I say this in, in a kind but really serious way? None of us know if we're going to have another day. None of us know that. Uh, it, it, life is going to end at some space for us, whether that's something that happens to us or Jesus comes back, that we're going to have one more day. None of us know that. So if you're going to invest everything you are into that, in one sense, you're living foolishly, but it's bigger than that. It's not just that life is brief and none of us know what it's like. He defines life as a vapor. He defines life as, as a breath that passes away. It appears for a little while and then vanishes. And this isn't only about duration or shortness, but it, there's a quality part to this that's helpful for us to understand. That's a dangerous space living in that kind of place because both we only have a certain amount of energy today, but life itself, it just it moves like this place that it just it's gone. Like in moments, it's gone. Maybe this will be helpful. Think about it this way. Not everybody in this room absolutely loves Christmas. I know that. Some of you do, though. Some of you are so sad it's gone. I mean, for you, you've loved Christmas, and you've loved it for months. You've counted down the days. You had one of those Advent calendars, and day by day by day, you waited until the moment that Christmas got there, and you were so excited. And if you were, you probably experienced something that is as genuine as it can be. It was over just like that. I mean, it was, just, it was here, and it didn't even seem like it started before it was gone. And you're like, what happened? I mean, how did it, what, 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 what was that? That was life as a vapor. That is this moment that it just is gone in just a moment. And there's something about that, that if it does well in our life, would invite us not to just living in the future, but living in the present. The problem is, some of us, we really are, much more like department store shelves than we'd like to admit. You know what I mean, right? Maybe. If you've been to some of the department stores, you've been by those seasonal sections, and the Christmas stuff, as it slowly went away, Valentine stuff took its place. And you're like, wait, wait, what? We're already, we're already on to the next holiday. I don't even understand how that's going to work, and it's going to happen again. If the Lord doesn't come back and we get there, then it'll be Easter, and then it'll be summer, and then it'll be, you know, Independence Day. Whatever it is, the marketing strategy, because they're trying to get you always focused on the next big thing. The crazy thing is that's how some of us live our lives. We live our lives always living for what the next thing is, always ready for the next thing. 
never actually enjoying the present thing, always living for something beyond us, and it consumes our life and robs us. It can happen in a weekly place where some of us, man, I'm just living for the weekend. I can't wait till it's the weekend. Some of us, you can't wait till other spaces in your life, and, and you're just longing for it, but you're missing something that is altogether this vapor nature of life that invites us to see, boy, it's, it's, it's passing. It's passing. And I can't live there. I can live here. If I waste this, it's just gone. And there's something about just saying, okay, that's a foolish way to live my life, living always for the future, living always for things that I have no idea is going to happen, and ultimately it'll rob me of really being present today. In fact, James goes on to simply say, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will, shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. And a diagnosis from God, he says, when you're actually living this way, you are arrogant, you are prideful, you are thinking more of yourself, you are playing God with your own life in some ways, and it's, and it's evil. It's not just silly, it's wrong. That there ought to be a space where we are invited into this space where as we think about the future, that's not consuming us. It doesn't mean we're not planning. It doesn't mean that we're not trying to walk in those things. But ultimately, even then, it's just about being faithful today. God, I want to be faithful today with what you've invited me to. And yet it's so incredibly needed. Let me add to that because sometimes it's just planning. Sometimes it's just thinking and thinking about the future. Other times it's worry, that worry itself consumes us, that one of the things about tomorrow that becomes so consuming today is worry. We literally could spend weeks on this. The Bible has much to say about it, but let me give you just some verses out of a section where Jesus speaks about it. In the end of that section, he says it this way in Matthew 6, verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is Jesus, and he is speaking to us clearly. He says, you know what? Worrying about tomorrow is not how I want you to live. He says that, you know, I don't want you to do that. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. That, it'll, you know, we'll, we'll deal with tomorrow when it comes. Today is what you need to be, where, where you are, where your heart needs to be. And there's a worry that so often consumes us wrongly. In fact, let me just back it up, for he says it well throughout this section. He would begin it this way in verse 25. and says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food, your body more than clothing? Real living is so much more than the things we worry about. I mean, real life is not in those things. Real life in Christ, it's, it's an entirely better place of living, and it's not found in the things that have us worried. It's found in walking with him. He goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, more value than they? There's a space of looking at how God's created the world to be, and he says, you are valued by God. He, he, he loves you, and, and, and so not only should you not worry because life is more than that, you shouldn't worry because God loves you, but more than that, worry itself is altogether ineffective. Jesus said it this way, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? And it's a comical little thing. I mean, if you could say, you know, if you worry really, really hard, could you change it? 
would, would your worry do anything to make you taller, literally, or shorter, or any of, no, it, there's so many things that consume our lives that we have no control over. Corrie Boom said it well. She said it this way. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrow. It empties today of strength. And if that could just land for a moment, it'll help us understand why worrying about tomorrow messes up today. It doesn't actually change tomorrow. It only robs us today. It robs us of life that is meant to be lived right now, today, walking with Jesus. These, the, the fears and worries that would drive us there, they would rob you of living life today, living life in the moment where God has you to be. And, and it's a good space for us to hear and to hear Jesus inviting us to it, saying it's an ineffective use of your time. And so he just lands it again and says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's a waste of time. It's not supposed to be, that's not the life that God has for you. God is not inviting us into a space that we're consumed by the fears of tomorrow. Whether they be economic, whether they be political, whether they be within our families, the, 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 there's nothing that's going to do us good today by living in worry about those spaces. Now, that's powerful reality, but if I'm not saying this clear enough, let me land again, because one of the things we want to continually draw to is this is not just a philosophical understanding that I'm trying to bring before you, some uh, thing that could be applied anywhere. What I'm trying to tell you is only available in Christ, so that if you don't know Jesus, you don't have this, you can't enjoy this. The freedom that God is offering us in Christ, it is not just a mental kind of a, a center or change in those things. What he is inviting us to is what's available in being a follower of his. So hear me again, if you don't know Jesus and you want this, I can tell you where it's found. It's found in a relationship with Jesus. It's found in knowing him and we invite you to that. But if you do know Jesus, you have this. You can enjoy it. I think about what, G what it says there in Matthew 6, when Jesus is speaking, he says, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? He says, for after these things, the Gentiles seek. Like people who don't know Jesus, who are outside of Christ, this is how they live their life, and maybe in, in the most simple way, they need to live their lives. Because that's the, they, they're, they're, it really is on them in so many ways. But if you know Jesus, if you have this, you have an ability in him to be able to trust God with your life and with your future. And he himself says he'll take care of you. Let me just go back to that again and just add a couple other verses that I skipped over when I read this section from Jesus. He says, for after these things the Gentiles seek. Like that's how people who don't know Jesus live their lives. Your Heavenly Father knows. He knows. He knows what you need. He knows everything about you. He's not anything right now that's mysterious to, to, to Him, and He cares about you. When you became a follower of Jesus, you became His child. If you don't know Jesus, you're not. You're His creation, but you're not a child of God. The Bible holds that term uniquely for those who become followers of Jesus. And it says if we believe in him, it's given us the right to become the children of God, that we get to be his, and then he takes that care of us. He becomes the one that says, hey, I will care for you. I'll be the one that watches over you. I see the future, and it's mine. He would say it this way, therefore, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added to you. That doesn't work for anybody who doesn't know Jesus. This isn't just, again, some kind of nice, happy talk that could just be used anywhere else. This is available in Christ, but it is available in Christ. It says, you get to focus on me, and I'll take care of your future. I know what you need. I know who you are. I know where your life is. And you get to enter into a, a real, genuine life with me that is a, a freedom because you know him. This is what he's inviting us to. He's inviting us to a space where we are able to trust the future to him. Where we're able to say, hey, God, that is yours. These things become, again, that thing that is so helpful. That in one sense, we're not consumed by our past, nor are we overly living in the future, but we're seeking to live in the present. If you could just get that alone, it would probably do you incredible good. Because here's the problem. The majority of people in our world, probably most of us in this room at times, are living where we're not. It's a crazy weird thing. We have people that um, aren't married, that everything they want to do is be married. And then people who are married who wish they weren't married. Uh, we have people who have kids and, and, and they remember the days they didn't have kids. And we have those that don't have kids and they wish they had kids. We have those who, who are, have a, a good job and they can't wait till they retire. And then we have people who are retired who miss the days that they worked. And, and we have people who spend their whole life living anywhere else than actually where they are, who spend their whole life wishing they could be something else than what they are and where they are. And that's not the way that God has you to live your life. He's inviting you to say, that's the, the, the past, the future, I, I, I've forgiven your past, I have your future in hand, and he invites us into this moment. Now, before we go past this idea of not living in tomorrow, I want to augment it just a little bit, because it's helpful to make sure we do that, but also make sure that when we think about not living in tomorrow, it's not saying something. What's it not saying? Well, there is a need in our lives to continue seeking to move forward in Christ, to press forward into all that God has. In fact, that's exactly what this passage in Philippians is about, right? If you have your Bibles there, go back to it. We began reading a moment ago, but we see it again there in verse 12. Not that I've already attained, or I'm already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Paul looks at this and he says, here's what I have. I have what I'm going to use my, in my terminology, and if it helps anybody else, he says, I have a calculated dissatisfaction. Calculated dissatisfaction, where is that found? Well, again, it's there in verse 13. He says, brethren, I do not count. Pause on that word counting and think about it this way. It really is a count. It's a term. It's an accounting term. It's a term that would look at your bank account, if you will, and say, here's my standing. Here's what I have. Uh, here's what it is. He says, so when I'm thinking through my net worth, if you will, when I'm thinking through an account of my soul, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I recognize something. I don't have everything that God has for me yet. I don't have all that he has made me for. 
He says, I, I, I haven't attained it. That's what he said in verse 12. I haven't attained, I'm not perfect yet. I, I haven't fully gained the life that God has for me in Christ. And he says, I, I'm cognizant of that. I'm cognizant in this moment that God has more for me. When I talk about not being consumed by the future, it's not a place that would draw us into complacency. In fact, God specifically calls out complacency in the Scriptures as a bad thing. In Zephaniah, I like the way it says it. It says, And it shall come to pass at that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. As God was getting ready to bring judgment on his people, he says, here's the problem. My people have become complacent. Now, he defines it. He defines what complacency is, and he says it's something that you're saying to yourself. It's, it's something that maybe you wouldn't even say it out loud, um, but you are saying it in your heart. You have no expectation that either God is going to judge or that anything is going to happen and get better. In fact, you're just kind of content to be where you are. Life is where life is. And you're in a space where it is what it is, you know? And, you know, there is no space where you're you're looking at it and saying, there's more than this. That complacency is a bad thing. Uh, And it's certainly not what God's calling us to. When When I'm speaking about living in the moment and living in the present space, it's not a place that we are content where we are. In fact, we ought to be hungry. We ought to be desirous of those things that God would have before us, there should be something there. In fact, I just want to ask you, what is that? Maybe, maybe it's a New Year's resolution that you're making. Some of you do it. Some of you will make New Year's resolutions tomorrow being a new day. And if you do, there should be a good space in that. If you look upon that and you think, I hate New Year's resolutions, there's an arrogance or pride about it, probably true sometimes. Uh, But here's what I want you to understand. There's nobody in this room that you should be not reaching out for something more. That Paul says, hey, I, 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 I'm in this place. I have calculated it. He says there in verse 13, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I don't have everything God has for me. One thing I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching. I'm reaching for those things that are ahead, that there is this space that we're seeking to grab that. They're seeking to say, I want this. I want more. So, in a very simple way, again, just between you and the Lord, I hope you have that here this morning. I hope you're here right now and you would be able to say, God, I want more. I want more of what you have. I want more of knowing you. I want more in your word. Maybe I want more in my prayer life. I want more in my service. There ought to be something inside of you that if it doesn't express itself in a New Year's resolution, which is here or there, I'm neither encouraging nor discouraging. I'm just saying we have what that is in spades. We have what people long for. We're supposed to be living that way all the time. Saying, God, I want more. I want more. I want more of Christ. I want more of what he has for my life. I'm not content where I am. So today, I get to seek to do that. Now, as I'm encouraging this, again, my whole point in this place is not just encouraging you to some kind of mental change. I'm inviting you into the life that God is doing, and I want to just say it again. This is what Christ is doing. This is, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what he's doing in your life today. We talk about it biblically, theologically, as the process of sanctification, that we're saved the moment we get saved and we're justified. 
We're justified from all that's, that's wrong. God tr- begins to treat us as righteous. We're going to be glorified. That when Jesus comes back, we're going to be with him in, 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 in heaven. But in between those two spaces, there is this process of sanctification where day by day, day by day, he is changing us into the image of Christ. In fact, I give it to you in one of those familiar verses where it tells us in Philippians 1, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is a precious promise, by the way. So many good things, and maybe it would just again roll across you in a good way, but I land it in what we're talking about this way. If you're content where you are, he is not. He has not thrown in the towel on you. He has not given up on you. If you're in Christ, he is looking at you today and saying, I have more for you. I have more for you. I have more for you in Christ. I have more for you in in that. And he in his faithfulness is trying to grow you. He in his faithfulness is, is trying to take you forward. And so what we're talking about is saying, God, I want that. I want to be in that space today where that which God is wanting to do in me, I would embrace and move forward into all that he has. It becomes such a healthy way of living. So we're leaving the past behind. We're not living in the future, though we're, we're t- living in the present, saying, God, I want what you have for me today, because that's really the only space that I can land. And all of this draws us into a place that what we've said throughout the entire morning is that God is seeking to cause you and I to live present in this moment in this moment, in this day, and there's a hundred things I could try to say. I will say it in the most simple way, there is nowhere else you can live. You can't live in the past, you can't live in the future, you can only live in this moment. So I'm going to scoot that up the screen, just we have a few places to add a couple things in this as we kind of seek to land what we're talking about this morning. And to that, I want you to flip over to that other passage. So leave Philippians and head over to the book of Ecclesiastes to chapter 9 with me. That's where we'll end our morning over there, so you don't have to keep a marker or anything in Philippians. But make your way to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have a church Bible, it's got the page number on the screen. If you need to use your table of contents, use that. If you're flipping and trying to find it, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Uh, You'll find it right there. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Here in this space, he speaks a principle that we actually find in a number of places in Scripture. We'll highlight it a couple other spaces as well so you see it. I just like the way it's worded here. So in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, he says it this way. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. There's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Said simply, this is the space you have to live it. He says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do that with everything that's there. It is this invitation that is into this moment into this space that, that what we would do that, that we would say, okay, this is what I want. I want this place of, of being able to, to walk in this moment. And it's an invitation just to ask you, what's in your hand? What, what are you holding in your life right now? Now, we're not talking about what you're not holding. We're not talking about the future that you hope is going to happen or maybe you think might happen. That's not where we are. 
We're asking you, what, what, what's, in your, what's in your life right now? What, what is it that you have? Now, he's going to call us to do that well, and it probably doesn't need to say, be said too much, but I need to make sure what I'm saying. I'm not talking about sin. Of course not. We're not talking about what are you doing that's wrong. There's nothing that God would invite us away from that. We're forgiven in Christ. We're called away from that, and we're called to leave that behind. In fact, let me give it to you in a New Testament passage that puts those two things together. In, the, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He says we need to, we need to lay aside those things that are, that, are, that are sinful. We need to lay aside those things that are robbing us of the life that God has for us, and you can. Christ will work it in your life. There's not anything this morning that he would not be saying, let's lay that down. Let's turn away from that which is wrong. Let's lay that aside that would consume your life. And in Christ, I invite you to that because certainly that's not what we're talking about. But having laid that aside, he says, now, there's a race. And it's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. You don't have to create it. I'm not asking you, you know, where, you know, where do you want to be in five months or five years? God will maybe get you there. But right now we're just saying, there's a course, there's a path right in front of you. It's the life that is yours. If it's sinful, turn away from that. If it's righteous, what is that? He says, now run it. That thing that is right in front of you, take that and and seek to say, God, I want to bring the life that I have, the, the person that I am, and I want to seek to live with you and walk in all that you have. Think about it this way. In Colossians, it would say it similarly. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. So he says that in a similar way. We in Ecclesiastes are saying, what's in your hand? Here in Colossians, it says, if it's words, if it's deeds, whatever it is, whatever you're going to, whatever is going to flow out of your mouth, what's going to flow out of your hands, let's do that for Christ. Let's do it well. Let's, let's fully embrace that. Maybe it's only saying what I've said all morning, but I, I have a sense I'm supposed to say this, and yet I said it in the first service, and I'm not sure it landed anywhere close to where I, I felt like it was supposed to land. Probably won't be able to get it unless God would just take this further, but I'm just telling you, here's the problem. For some of us, that's not what we're trying to do. We, we, we're not embracing where we actually are. We're trying to live a life that is not actually where we're at. It's a silly illustration. May it land. It'll happen this week, though, right? Gym memberships are about to skyrocket. <laughs> the, the, the holidays, the goodies, they, they put on those pounds. The New Year's resolution is going to happen, and so here's what's going to happen. If you're a gym member person, you're about to see a crowd. It's going to be a great crowd for about a week. I mean, it's just, just kind of how it's going to work, but here's the problem. For some people, they're going to try to step towards it. You know what's going to happen? They're going to try to be something they're not. They're going to go on that first week, and they're going to go like gangbusters. I mean, it's going to look like they're trying to run a marathon. I mean, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to try to do something that is neither possible for them right now physically, and it's not possible for them in, in the lifestyle or the schedule they have. And so one weekend, they're going to find out they can't be what they thought they were supposed to be, and you know what's going to happen? They're going to quit they're going to quit. And one of the big reasons they're going to quit is because they wanted to be something that they're not. And I want to tell you that's not what God's wanting for you right now. 
oh, please don't misunderstand me. He has the best for you. He wants to create this person of you in Christ. But the process of sanctification is slow, methodical, and daily. It's not that God can't do instant changes. He does every now and then. If he does it in you, you, you're an exception at that moment, fully enjoy it. But for most of us, our spiritual growth is going to happen in small steps. We're going to begin making changes that are possible in our life, and we're going to hope that it continues to grow, and that's exactly what God is seeking to do. In fact, more than that, He knows that. There's not anything in you right now that He doesn't know. Our God sees you right now fully for who you are, and He's inviting the person that you are right now to walk with Him. He's not inviting the person that you think you want to be. He's not inviting the person that you wish you were. And, and the, see, here's the problem. When we get there, we, we become so disappointed in our own selves, and our own, like, well, you know, I, I wish I was so much more than I am, and instead of just saying, God, let's go forward. Here, you know my schedule. You know my life. Help me be in your word. Help me be in prayer. How can I serve? God, let me take the life that's right now in my hand, because that's really all I have. I, I have what's in my hand. I don't have what's not in my hand. I have what's in my hand. Help me take that today, and let's do that. Let's take this and, and live for you. Again, laying aside sin, yes, but it's a beautiful invitation to be present. I might be wrong. I might not be able to, you know, even fully help it be seen in our lives, but I'm convinced that for some of us, what keeps us back from living in the present is we're so disappointed in what we are. We're so disappointed in what we think we're supposed to be, and because of that, we'd far rather either live in the past or live in the future, and, and, and what we hope someday to be, what we hope someday we are, instead of saying, God, here's where I am. Like, this is the life I get to live, and to do this where he says, okay, whatever's in your hand, give yourself entirely to that. Whatever's in your hand, he's going to say, do it with all your might. Again, noticing it there in the first part of verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Be all there. That's really the quote that I have, right? That's the quote that we have on the bottom of the screen there, this Jim Elliott quote. In fact, let me give it to you in its, in its wider reference. So Jim Elliott, this incredible missionary who, who lives for Jesus, dies gives his life for Christ uh, back in the 50s, said it this way. He says, wherever you are, be there. Be entirely present wherever you are. Live to the hilt every situation that you believe to be the will of God. Like, be fully in that moment. He goes on to reason, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So this is good reasoning to say live your life this way, to find yourself stepping towards this, in this, and the invitation is to do that. The problem is that maybe that just sounds, of course, everybody's doing that. But I might be mistaken. I think few of us probably are. I think many of us are half-heartedly involved in the life that we actually have. We're only half there. We're only half paying attention in the moment. We're either in the past or the future or somewhere else instead of saying, God, this is where I am. This is the life I have. I, I want to give it all to you. I want to live for you as well as you have me to do right now, right here. 
I want to be fully there. Again, I look at my own heart and I think, Lord, how rarely am I there? How, you know, how often I feel like I'm present, but only partially present. Like I'm kind of half and, you know, half-heartedly involved. It's like, no, give yourself all to this. If, you, if this is what you think God has for you, be there in its entirety. Because here's the great promise. In everything we've said this morning, the point of it in Christ is this is actually the life that God is offering. This is actually the life that God is giving. This is where God promises to meet you and me. So much we could say, had we lots of time, we don't. But I want to just tell you the overwhelming space of Scripture is God is inviting us into a relationship with Him, and when He does, it's always in the present moment. It's always in the space where He invites us to know Him, abide with Him, walk with Him, to be those who have just daily what He's supplying, a space that over and over, it's an invitation not to the past, not to the future, but to the present, and saying, do that with me. Let me just put a few of those verses on the screen as we get near the close of our message this morning. Jesus would say in John 17, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is life. It's a relationship with God. That's present. That's knowing him right now. The, the, the space of life right now is, is, is knowing God in this moment. Jesus would say, abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The relationship that Jesus is inviting you into this morning is full connection with him, actively in this moment. There's much that's in this picture that's far more profound than this, but let me change the metaphor just a little bit, not because it's better. Actually, this one's better, has more weight to it biblically, but for some of us, it'll just land. Change abiding to plugged in. Treat it as, if you could think about it this way, an appliance that only works when it's plugged in, that's only worked when it's actively gaining, you know, energy from the source, and Jesus is saying, hey, plug into me. Plug, do life with me. Take it right now. If you unplug from me, you're not depending on me in the moment. You have no power. You'll never have life. You can't do anything without me. Plug in. Just live your life in this moment with me. That's today. You, You can't abide in the past. You can't abide in the future. You can only abide in the present. He would say, invite us to walk with him. In fact, Paul would reiterate in in Galatians where he'd simply say, I say then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Like if you could walk with God, which is today. God, let's just walk. Just walk in this moment, walk with you and all that you have. In fact, I think about it in the prayer that uh, Jesus taught us and he simply teaches us to pray, your will be done, God, and then give us this day, our daily bread we'll begin to kind of wind it to a close there and just tell you what a good space this would be. If you could come this morning and say, God, guide me in what you have, and then today. Because in that prayer all by itself highlights everything we're saying. God's not going to give you enough for tomorrow. He's not going to meet you with strength for tomorrow. He's going to meet you with strength for today. He is inviting you into a space of daily depending upon him, which is the life that he has for you, which is the life that we've done our very best to highlight for you this morning to say that he is inviting us into this space where we could forget the past, where we could forget all that that is, 
and we could press forward into the things that God has for us. Where we could say, God, I want to just live in that way, but not living there, but here in this moment. So we invite you to it right now. You know, I don't know where that lands with you this morning. I'm not even entirely sure at what space this gains, but I, I know this. What I'm inviting you to is the life that God is offering, the, the, the life that He is saying we can have, what the world longs for in many ways we have in Christ. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, we're telling you it's found in Christ, and we're offering that to you, inviting you to, to surrender to that. But if you have life in Him, well, I'm inviting you to this. So you can close your Bibles, your notebooks, whatever it is you have open, and I just want to give you a moment to pray. I don't know where that is and in and, and what space you know, God is seeking to bring that into your life this morning. Maybe, again, it's the space of, of, of leaving the past behind and you just recognizing here this moment that that's consuming you, that in so many ways it's, it's your, the, the things from the past that hold you down in this moment and God's inviting you to enter into it. To, to leave that with him. Or maybe you find yourself living in the future, spending so much time thinking about things that haven't even come and realizing you're not here in this moment. I just want to invite you to lay that down and, and seek to enter into the life that God is holding out right now, right before you, into this moment. Again, if you don't know Jesus, we're inviting you to surrender. So it's a quiet moment between you and the Lord. Whatever spoke, whatever would be in the moment, would you in this space just say, God, I, I want to have that life, the life that is fully present with him in this moment. So between you and him, would you talk to him about that quietly for a moment? I'll do the same, and then we'll close in worship in just a moment. God, I so thank you for the life that you offer us in Christ. I do make my prayer right now for those who don't have it, that live outside the wonder of what it is to be yours. I pray that even through the lens of our world and our world's desires, even on a New Year's Eve, that they'd find what they need is only found in you. I pray that you draw them to you. God, even now, would you save? Father, as we cry out for that, I, I find myself just aware of what a beautiful life this is in Christ. 
a beautiful space that you would have for us to have in you. God, I simply ask that right now you would so work that you would draw us to what that would look like. Lord, where we're missing, living with you and abiding in Christ and walking with you in this moment where either our past or the worries of tomorrow or the arrogant plans of tomorrow have us away from just walking with you. Would you rescue us and teach us? As only you can, teach us how, bring us into this in a way that we can enjoy the life that you have for us. Do more than I could say, Father, I pray for that even now. Draw us into this life, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.